Empowering learners is just instilling a love of learning into all students. What we do at Newbridge is we we, we work on a needs-led approach, which means um, technology isn't just a case of it fits in a box and it says that this is everybody has to use it in this way. Um, we look at the individual and try and find out what their either their, their challenge is, uh, what their barrier is, a particular EHCP target they've got and then work if technology can be the solution to that. And what you're talking about is this is bigger than just education in a classroom. It's not it's not just about um, subjects, it's about it's about improving the lives of so many of your students and giving them future careers and, and raising their aspirations. Hi, and welcome to this episode of the Empowered Podcast. This series will be exploring the impact of EdTech in and out of the classroom. My name is Ricky Brown, and I'm an Apple Professional Learning Specialist at SYNC. Today I am joined by Richard Bright from Newbridge Learning Trust, and also Paul Tullock, an Apple Professional Learning Specialist at SYNC, to talk about the importance of being able to individualise technology to everyone. So first of all, welcome Richard and welcome Paul. Let's start this off with asking, what does empowering everyone with technology mean to you? And I'll ask you first, Richard. Okay, um, I suppose that's quite a powerful question, really, in the sense that uh, in my particular role, um, I, I work within uh, learners with special educational needs, um, and it's really important that the technology is personalised for that young person, each individual. Uh, we have a... We have six schools across Oldham and Thameside, over across, across 12 sites, aged from pupils uh, aged four up to 19 and a post-19 post provision. So empowering them, each and every individual, is quite a challenge because they've all got their own needs. Um, they've all got uh, other specific barriers to access technology. Uh, so we have to identify that um, and make sure that um, Technology is meaningful for them. It's not just a, a gimmick. It's not just putting it in the hands and then not having any kind of impact. A lot of functionality you really need to draw out of different devices that, that are right for one person. Maybe it's different for another one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so what we do at Newbridge is we, we, we work on a needs-led approach, which means um, technology isn't just a case of it fits in a box and it says that this is everybody has to use it in this way. Um, we look at the individual and try and find out what their, either their, their challenge is, uh, what their barrier is, a particular EHCP target they've got, and then work if technology can be the solution to that. That, that sounds amazing. I'm sure we'll drill into that a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to ask that same question to Paul. What does empowering everyone with technology mean to you? To me, it means putting ownership of the learning onto the student, and that can be done through making it equitable, making it accessible, and making it engaging. And I think if you empower learners and you give them the tools to access the learning, um, engage the learning, then they own it. And then that learning becomes a real kind of deep experience. And from there, it builds on prior knowledge and all, all kinds of things. And they can really take that as far as as they want to. And I, I guess empowering learners is just instilling a love of learning into all students. There's a lot of understanding what the device can do in the first place and and knowing what's possible how how would that implement on what you do Paul 
I guess it comes down to you've got to understanding what the technology can do and, and, and how that's going to support that individual need for that, that learner is where the real power of using things like iPads comes in. Personalised, accessible learning um, just opens up so many doors and really boosts engagement. And not only engagement in learning and learning outcomes, but in terms of self-esteem and the confidence as well, I guess it's real key to know what those features are in the iPad as well, because as we know, the iPad comes with so many settings inside and so many accessibility features that you can tweak and you can you can use to to, to change how anybody learns. One phrase that I always remember um, from 2017 when I became one of the Apple Distinguished Educators was, uh, there was, a, there was a talk on using accessibility and how it's really necessary for some, but it's great for all. And I think I think that's a really good place to start, as in if everybody knows about those features, it's not just for those people who, who may need them. We can all use them in lots of different ways. Uh, and the reason that I say that is even little things like for me, I write an email, and every time I write that email, I have that email read back to me just to check for sense and make sure it's clear and it has everything in that I wanted to. And I don't need to do that, but I find it much easier because of the tools are there. And I think it's important that we know what the tools are. Everybody kind of knows a brief understanding of, of what the tools are and what's in there and how we can fine tune that for our learners to make, to make things easier or more accessible or just a little bit more engaging. Right, there are, there are learners within our main body you, you know, it's just down to the teacher to apply a specific functionality and they need to know what that is. Um, so everybody can make uh, make use of the of the accessibility options in there. Um, I think sometimes then when we're talking about referrals and audits and all that kind of stuff, that's when we're really going into some of the more complex needs and, and, and accessibility settings that are in there. I mean, I think I think there's there's something about like the complex needs and so on. It's about all of the extras that you would need to get and certain things. And I think when people think about technology and I think about the people don't realize that these are built in to these devices um, and you don't need this extra add-on yeah and I think that's important to to get that message across and and again Paul from from your point of view um, when you're training on these um, what is it you're trying to portray to the people about the accessibility features that are built in I always reflect on what I do with my class. My, my last ever class that I taught before I became a professional learning specialist full-time um, had 30 students. Half of those students, English wasn't their first language. There was a range of complex needs, Asperger's, uh, ADHD, cerebral palsy. Um, there was a, a really high percentage of dyslexia. What what I I always share this with the schools that I work with and how we use the iPad to fine tune so everybody in that class could access the learning at their own level or in their own particular way. Um, what I try to get across is that at the start of every term, I would do a refresher or an introduction to accessibility, and I would get the the students in my class to fine tune their iPads. So that could be anything as simple as putting on dark mode just because it was a preference of how they looked, changing wallpaper, just to kind of say that this is your device now. You're going to use this for learning, but you're going to tweak it and have it look how you want to look. Then we use things like widgets to bring in really quick information and find files that they might be using. Bear in mind, I taught year five and six, so sometimes file management was a bit of a, a tough call for some. So we had things like that. But then 
we would go into all of the features. And what I like to do is, when, especially when I'm training, I like to say that we're going to introduce accessibility and I'm going to show you some features which I've used and have had huge impact. But I like to say, go in there for five minutes and press some buttons and see what it can do and see what you can find in there. Because just because what I might do with my class, it doesn't mean that there's not something in there that you've got a learner that might really need that feature. And I think that's really important that there's a, there's a chance to explore and the chance to play. And then just the gentle reminder to say things like, you know, don't forget you can have that red back to you or you can change the color on this if, if you need. Or if that's too small, we can change the size of this text. Or, you know, it's, it's just about putting those options out there so people are aware of it and then putting the ownership on, on them to, to make use of it. The biggest difference sometimes is actually <laughs> training the staff. I think the students just explore more, mm. more freely than the staff do. Because um, they're younger, they're more willing to kind of just almost test things until it, yeah. thinking it's not going to break, it's going to be fine. So we just just to kind of dive in here and see what happens and find it themselves as well. Um, often, but staff are kind of quite nervous about trying something something new um, and going in and changing the settings. But after after some training, obviously that changes. But I think often the, the young people will find what to, how they can personalize their own device anyway. Yeah. And I think you are right there. There's a difference between staff mentality and pupil mentality yeah. when you when you go into a device and staff always think they're going to break it and yeah. everyone else have a go. But um, I want to dig a little bit more into this ownership that um, how much is it important to your learners that they have ownership of these devices and it, it, it's they know it's theirs and it, they know it's done for them. Oh, it's massive. I mean, um, I mean, I did. Sure, the sure the the school won't mind me saying this, but we we've been a one to one for about six years. But we were before that for about about ten years ago, we uh, we got it wrong. We didn't go one to one, so we have we we we're, we're a dual platform trust. So we we use both Microsoft and Apple technology, but we have a one to one uh, iPad trust. So every young person, every member of staff has the, has that the iPad. But we tried it where it wasn't the case where we just thought we'll get some curriculum based iPads, they'll go on a trolley, they'll move around. It failed massively. Mm -hmm. um, there was a number of other things that kind of uh, mean that meant that 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 phase wasn't a success. But we learned from it and we realised one to one was the way to go, because you just mentioned it there. You know, the, the member of staff and the young person both realise this is their device now. They can get familiar with it. They can adapt it. They can change it. Um, they've got ownership of it, and so yeah, it's massive because then you then you start to you can start to really see the impact then. Well, just to build on what you were saying there, um, if you allow the students to personalise their own devices, it then becomes part of their toolkit rather than just, I can pick up any any device off a shelf. And what, what in my experience, what I've generally found is they treat that device with a lot more respect and they they know how those how those features work. And just to, to kind of touch on something, is if you do have a shared cart of say iPads or, or any, any kind of device, if a student really needs to use a certain feature in there and they have to go into the settings and they have to change those settings, that can put a lot of stress on our students with the cognitive load and also take time, not a huge amount of time, but it can impact on learning as well. And I think from what, what you're saying, a lot of the things you, you've actually mentioned is about building up the confidence of that, of that student that they can do what they want to do with that device have you got any stories like that richard uh yeah i suppose like paul there's, there's so many stories you can talk about um and we've not got long enough to kind of go over them all but if i can pick up maybe one or two we you know uh 
we've had talking about it being one-to-one, talking about ownership, talking about it being a personal device and, and changing those accessibility settings. And we've done that. Uh, we've really kind of dived into some of those kind of more complex features from, like I was saying before, around um, switch controls. So we've got some learners who are really, it's, I mean, this is extremely inspirational to see really when, when they've really implemented the use of switch control to, to, to scan through um, an iPad. So we're talking about um, got a, young, a young man um, who, he, he's he's got severe sensory physical complex cognitive disabilities um very limited motor skills wheelchair user non-verbal and massive beyonce fan um why are you laughing <laughs> <laughs> actually i i what i um I, I used to say i'm not a beyonce fan i've got two girls i'm a beyonce fan now and, and um <laughs> so i actually quite appreciate when he plays the music but the but this is a young person who, with his own his device and having a, a switch, which is a little, which is a little button um, that can be connected to his chair and using his head just by tilting it left and right, can skip the tracks left and right, forward and back, press play, press pause, and listen to the song and the album that he wants to listen to rather than his, his, his staff that work with him may, may know that he likes Beyonce, but they're, they're, they're in control. They're, mm-hmm. you know, they're playing the song for him and they're just going off his facial expressions. But... He's, he's now in control. He's taking ownership of that device. He's taking ownership of what he wants to listen to. This is a, we're talking about a leisure activity, which is really powerful for us. We make sure that in our vision, it's it's not just about curriculum and learning. It's also about um, communication and it's also around leisure as well. So um, yeah, that's one of many stories of how we've used um, accessibility features to kind of uh, empower a young person. And I think that is the, what you're saying. It's, it's about the choice. It's about the choice of doing it and him making the choice to be able to pick which track you want to listen to and yeah. and not take it from somebody else. So Richard, I'd just like to ask you um, about your trust and your the work that you do with your children. What what is what is your main purpose? What is your real why for what you do? Really easy um, destinations. That's something that's at the heart of everything that we do. Um, we have seven aspirational destinations that are at the bedrock of what our entire offer looks like so and that can go from number one which is being involved which is um for some of our more complex um young people with uh like sensory cognitive physical disabilities up to number seven which is being independent uh where we'd expect them to leave the the education uh time with us move on to either fe university get a job live in their own home and everywhere in between there. So destinations is something that, regardless if we're talking about technology or not, that's what the heart of what we do. So it's a case of, well, how is technology supporting the young person to get to that destination? That's kind of the what we looked at when we started to come up with a real clear vision of why we were using um, technology and why we went one-to-one. Um, so it's, it's at the heart of our vision, which is around making sure that technology is there to support every aspirational destination for each young person. Um, so that so the end when we see the destination that say key stage five and above we'll see that it looks very different because for some it's around being able to make choices uh, communicate with their peers um, it may be around switching on the TV from and it sounds daft but from uh, switching on the TV from uh, using uh, an app called voice it where a young person can't maybe articulate a certain word but we can train the device the iPad to recognize their voice and they can change the channel. Um, turn on the lights, turn off the lights, 
we, we've not done this yet, but we're exploring the whole kind of even just, you know, opening and closing the blind when it gets too sunny. We're giving them real um, ownership of making sure they, they're independent in making certain choices they want in their life. And then all, like I said before, all the way up to number seven, which is um, what does technology look like for them in their final destination? Is it to, to get a job? Is it to go into a particular workplace and being able to, whether that be an office-based job, whether it be to do with uh, creative media, um, and we're really seeing some of the, you know, some real success stories with that as well, where we've got young people who are passionate about either video editing, graphic design, photography, um, and we're still struggling with trying to get employers out there to kind of, kind of take them on and see the potential, but work with a range of organizations within Manchester, uh, Oldham and Tameside, we're starting to really get it and that we you know our, our young people have got something to offer. Um, so they're going through this whole journey um, using technology from whether it be the iPad, um, whether it be a, a, an app like uh, Clips or iMovie, and then up to something like Final Cut um, and Adobe Premiere, um, or just the entire Creative Cloud and Adobe industry standard software, which we're giving them those skills, which um, hopefully we want some success stories now where they've got a paid job in the digital media sector. I mean, that sounds, that sounds amazing to me. And, and what you're talking about is this is bigger than just education in a classroom. It's not, it's not just about um, subjects. It's about, it's about improving the lives of so many of your students and giving them future careers and, and raising their aspirations. I mean, what does that say to you, Paul? Well, I'm glad you've touched on that because I think using iPads and any kind of digital technology in the classroom is great but it's how does it impact every area of life? So it's transferable skills and not even transferable digital skills. So what, what, what we're talking about here is the ability to be able to build confidence so that you're able to um, approach something in a much better frame of mind without any fear um, and also drive that passion which you've talked about as well because if, if, if they learn something inside the classroom and they can apply that to their own interests as well, that can really drive that passion forward. And then that's a transferable skill that they can take on as they progress from primary school up to secondary into further ed education and into the world of work. So I, I think it's, it's important to remember that it's not just for the classroom. It's, it's for all areas of life. These devices are, are vital for some, but valuable for all. And, mm. and something like that, that you're talking about is absolutely vital. And this technology is allowing them to do something that they love doing as well. I mean, yeah. that, that is, that is a, a massive eye-opener to what is possible with these devices for these children. And again, you've, you've mentioned all of your, your pathways and where, you, where you're actually taking children, that, that you're, you're allowing them to live a full life. I know, I know that um, I've talked to you before, Richard, and you were talking to me about your dream of being able to go into restaurants and with with the children and, and use devices. Do you want to explain that? Yeah, I think, are you referring to the QR codes and, yeah. and supporting that? Yeah, so one of the ideas we've got, and again, um, it's not, not quite taken off just yet, but it's about um, community access for some of our learners who would maybe struggle to maybe place an order in a cafe or a restaurant, um, maybe because they've not got the communication skills or they're non-verbal or a range of other reasons. Um, so we're trying to work with those different um, uh, providers in the area um, and just just ask them, just can we just stick a QR code on, on your desk in, 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 at, your, at your counter? So that when someone comes in, 
it's either there's a couple of things they can be looking at doing one is it just scans there just to reinforce them what they need to be asking them to do so they can have a little look and remind themselves or it may be just that it's a command and, they, and it registers that command um like i mentioned before we've got specific apps where the, the aac apps communication apps where they can they can make that uh, request but it's personalized to that specific place so um we're trying all kinds of different ways of making sure that it's not just in the classroom setting it's within the community it's got impact in their lives um coming back to what we we're saying before around um when one of the reasons why we the purpose and why we went for not just um it being ipads um, but we have a dual platform is because we didn't want to limit that if they're going off into the workplace we want to make sure they had, they had skills in other kind of platforms other operating systems but at the same time we went one-to-one -one with ipads because we felt like this could have a, a, a legacy because a lot of them had, had had iPhones or iPads. That was the common dominator of what they they felt was cool. They wanted they, when they when they left school because the reality is we've got a device. It belongs to the school. It doesn't belong to them. So when they leave, want to make sure they've got those transferable skills yeah. that they can use on a device that they would normally just use to play at home, perhaps. Um, so yeah, and and it's always been part of our uh, our thinking, our vision is that that's. What we want to achieve where when they move on they they've got access to um specific software specific app but then it's it's affordable too so we try and find certain free apps that will work um, it's like we mentioned before about um apps to send, turn off the tv so it's it's combining different devices but something that's cheap and accessible for them at home still so we work with families to make sure that that's not just they're not just doing this kind of thing in in the school day and i think i think one of the things um is you've mentioned that they might have iPhones at home and so onwards than that. Um, but do they have to learn something new, Paul? Not really, no. But, you know, because are we talking about students or, or families or, or both? Families, or? whichever. I mean, we're talking about making these devices, so iPads, iPhones, all accessible to the, the student. It, it's making a tweak, isn't it? And it's, it's, about, it's about bringing the family and, and the community together. What I was just going to say before there was um, what, what I really like about what, what you've said is it's all real world engagement. It's all things that are relevant in their own world. And that makes the learning so much better just to go back to the elements of learning. Um, there's a lot of research on five key elements of learning and three of those are hit immediately by the accessibility. So the, there's teamwork, there's the communication and the collaboration, which is real key in accessibility, how you can communicate and and work with others to, to show what you're, you're learning or to have an outcome. Then we've got personalised learning, which is, you know, the access and how, how we can tweak those tools. Um, you've got the critical thinking about what it is that you actually need to, to kind of think about and what kind of information you need. But the real world engagement ties it all together, because if it's not purposeful to the learner, it's, it's just not going to sink in. I don't think there needs to be loads of new learning. I, I, I think I think what's there is pretty simple to use. And because it's pretty simple to use, um, it means that you can adapt and you can learn lots of other things as, as you go as well, because a lot of it is just how you turn these things on, how you um, how you access them, those kind of things. And I, I think I think once you've got it, it's not about having to learn something new all, all the time. It's maybe thinking of a different way to use it or potentially if there's an update, say, for example, when you were just talking before about... Um, in the restaurants using QR codes, Apple have just released, I can never, never actually remember the name, is it personal voice in iOS, iOS 17, where you can train 
your iPhone or your iPad to speak in your voice. When you type it, it will speak in your voice. And it's those kind of little things that they're just new. We've used those types of things before, but it's just using it in a slightly different way. So for that child or that parent who isn't confident enough to speak, if they can get their iPad set up behind sort of closed doors and they can get it exactly as they want it, when they go into that restaurant, they can type in what they want to order and hit the button and it will speak in their own voice. And then again, because that's real and it, it sounds like them, they're more inclined to use it because it's personal to them. So, no, I don't think it's it's about learning new things all the time. I think it's about sometimes one one little tweak, for example, using dictation, one, one little feature can be used so many different ways. Um, and I think it's just about making the most of what we've got and fine-tuning it and finding out what works and what doesn't. We, we had to do a big piece of work on that, which was around... Um it can be very overwhelming for staff who have been put, who have been, no matter how amazing they may be as a teacher, now you put a device in the hand, they find that extremely scary um, and overwhelming. And what, with millions of educational apps, um, we've always talked about this, haven't we, Paul? When yeah. Paul's come in and we've had a chat about, uh, you know, how can we move things forward and what might sessions might look like. Coming back to just a, a few core apps and a few fun elements of functionality can make a massive difference rather than having hundreds and hundreds of apps on your on your internal app store um, or and even 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 narrowing it down even further than that where we've got staff who have kind of been quite disengaged because it's just been too overwhelming they've seen this long list of apps so it's like right okay well, let's just forget about the apps let's look at an individual tiny problem that you've got in the class and just focus on that and we've got this uh, this template we use it's it's within page or keynote and we and we have um, broken down which is Problem, idea, inaction, and impact. And we just say, just, just find one thing that you, you're struggling with. It might be printing, it might be um, presenting on the screen, but it might be really down to the young person around what your um, specific EHCP target, specific barrier to learning. And let's just see what we can do with one thing to make one change now. And then we'll, we'll maybe go on to another one of those. But just yeah. for now, just do one thing. Yeah. And that's all we want you to do. And then... And then they'll just kind of, they'll get and once once it, you you make it you, you break it down like that it's it's not overwhelming it's not there's not too much to learn it's just I'm just going to do one thing at a time and then get really empowered by it really kind of uh, excited and and decide to then implement several different elements but again within just functionality of the yeah. iPad or within yeah. a few key core apps I really like what you said there um, because it's not about what can the app do it's what do, what do we need to do and I think sometimes a lot of um, a lot of users can get hung up on, oh, I, I don't know how, how this does and we're trying to shoehorn things in to, to um, and find out what it does. When actually, if you scale everything back, especially in, in the education sector, it's what do you need to be able to do? What do you need to be able to teach? What are the learning outcomes? And what can we use to help us get there? And that should be where we start when we're using technology. So just for example, exactly as you were saying, the old days where... I ran one-to-one -one iPad schemes 2013, 2014. We'd give an iPad to a teacher and there'd be 100 apps on there. And the first thing they'd say is, is there an app for science? And actually, you don't need to know that because straight away, you've got the cognitive load is, is too much. How do you know how all these 100 apps work? Well, actually, if you focus on the, the needs and then the apps and what they do afterwards, you can use no more than 10 apps. Mm across a whole school, in primary school especially,
across a whole school if you know what it is that you need to do with those apps. Say, for example, presentation, everyday presentation. You could give an iPad to a teacher and say, right, we're going to teach from this today and we're going to present our, you're, you're going to present your slides in Keynote. Uh, you might want to do some resources in pages. That, that's all you need to know. If you want to get more creative, we've got Clips, iMovie, GarageBand. If you want to collaborate, we can use things like Padlet or any of the of the Google suite or, or the Microsoft tools. How do we go about the assessment? How can we get data back to help us inform what we need to do and what, what we might need to do next? You've got things like your Socrative, your Kahoots. And then in terms of workflow and actual your actual teaching and feedback as well, you've got things like Apple Classroom, Jamp Teacher, you've got Shobi. And it's about knowing what the knowing what the tools do instead of using them, using them for a purpose. And I think that's what it comes down to. I think everything needs to be, what do I need? What am I trying to do? And which tools will do that job best? Yeah, I mean, and we I remember um, a few years ago, Paul, you you showing your showing us your core apps template, and um, it was a bit of a wake up call at the time because I remember we um, we do have a school in particular who. <laughs> They just went 100 mile an hour at installing every single app they could find for every single subject area. And and the truth is now, several years later, 90% of them are not even being used. It was it turned into a bit of the wild west of app mm -hmm. install. Um, and and now um, we've kind of had to go back and look at, actually, look what you can get out of just some of these core apps. We've adapted some, we've yeah. stole it off your Paul, to be honest with you. That's um, fine. That's yeah. the, you know, that's what I'm here to do. Yeah. Is, uh, um, but then we've adapted thing. it to, to Newbridge, which is yeah. it's got some really kind of bespoke uh, core apps as well, like Boardmaker, uh, we've got TD Snapcore there. There's a range of different access communication apps that are in there, which need to be there. But then, of course, there are some really core apps that you can make the most out of for yeah. the majority of your learners. So you're best off using one app really well than 10 apps not very well. Yeah. I think one of the things uh, that you're talking about here is is a lot of change. A lot of change that's happening with um, with your teachers and with the schools that you work with and so onwards. Um, has there been anything that you've done recently that's actually helped you focus on that change management of what you're actually doing with people? Yeah, of course. I mean, um, so... When we rolled out the the and we, we launched the 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 uh, one to one iPad initiative, we had a lot of uh, training not just for the staff and CPD uh, general staff in, in in the classroom, but also around the uh, the SLT and 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 the, and the leadership within the within the mat, um, and everybody was kind of bought into a clear vision and a clear strategy, and then just we've had to relaunch that, and part of that relaunch was working with Sync um, and uh, coming to uh, take, taking on board the Apple Learning Institute where we um, I, I, I attended and met loads of other different leads in the same kind of position hearing the same stories where you've, you've launched it you need a relaunch you, you, you did really well but actually you need to just take stock of what's gone what, what went well but what things do we need to change um, and sometimes it's changing attitudes of staff and sometimes it's looking at your strategy and I'm looking at your vision and kind of reflecting on that and reviewing that um, took loads of things out of the Apple Learning Institute and what I'd really like to do is um, it's only been myself so far who's been involved in that but really get all our strategic leads across our mat to just attend just to kind of really understand what the purpose is of what we're doing and, and think things like you just mentioned there where, where you know it's, we're not, we don't want to go and install two, three hundred apps we want to kind of what, why, we use, why are we doing this how can we make it easier for staff to, to, to engage with um, and sometimes how do we streamline what we're doing and I think one of the things that I'm, I'm hearing from there is purpose and the why is so important. 
Do you like to add anything more? Yeah, I think um, your why is massively important to get buy-in from all stakeholders. I'm not just talking about staff. I'm talking about students. I'm talking about parents. I'm talking about governors. If you know why you're doing something, people will understand what the purpose is. Whereas if you say we're going to use Keynote today, and this is you know, and this is what it can do, you might have some other things that 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 you would like to do, and and that and that you think you could do the same sort of things on a different app, for example. But if you explain why you're using that app and 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 why you've chosen that, or or why you've chosen iPads is a great one straight away. Um, it gets the buy-in from people, and I think once you've got the buy-in, that's when something becomes successful. I think just to touch on the on the ALI on on the Apple Learning Institute, um, I really enjoyed those those few days that we had together because it, it's a chance for you to really think about your vision, about why it is you're doing it, and sometimes a vision can be quite a big grand scheme, and we think with blue sky thinking at at the end, but sometimes you need to break those down into smaller parts, and I think it allowed what what I really found from talking to people on 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 those days was. It allowed people to focus on one area and it's not about what you can do because you might be the most skilled person in your school or the most skilled person in, in your trust or even in your family. It's about how you can impact that change across other people and how we can put things in place to gradually bring change so it's impacting all areas and not just one one area. There's so much I've taken from this that, that obviously hopefully all the listeners are actually taking as well but I just want to ask you a couple more questions and one of those is can you tell me about one success or and one challenge that you've faced um, when actually implementing a digital strategy Richard yeah sure um, I'm gonna do I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna be a rebel and, and give you two okay. <laughs> because um, I can't I can't separate these two really I mean I have to mention taking 20 students to Chicago working with Apple was that will never be topped in my career I'm sure um, it was something that I'll, I'll, I'll take it to the grave and I saw the impact it had on some of those students and it's something that um, has been possibly the biggest success but uh, that's on the back of something called our digital pathway which we, we set up a number of years ago now where what some of our high flyers to really kind of uh, push forward with using technology and, and, and creative media in particular um, and, and it was what we started I mentioned before we started to see that there's real challenges in getting some of our learners into the digital media sector as, 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 uh, as work in in the world of work. So we decided, right, we can't keep doing this. Um, they're, they're ready for work. They've got these skill sets. We were employing people to come in and create content for us. And we thought, we need to, why are we doing that? Why are we moaning at employers if they're not going to employ our staff, our students, and we're not going to employ our students? So we created um, a, a video production pathway, um, a print production pathway, um, and a digital graphic pathway. And th those three pathways feed into uh, work placements, work experience, and we commission them to create content for the rest of the mat. So they create the canvases that are all, about, all around, they design and print all the canvases that are around the buildings, uh, the, the, the wall art that's uh, on vinyl and, and, and stuck up. Uh, we, they create some of our promotional content for the websites and the things that go on our, our YouTube channel, our social media. and. And yeah, and so that's giving them the, the, the skills to be able to prepare them for if they were going to get a, a, a job in the world of work. But um, we've kind of practiced what we preach in a way. So that's a, that's a, a real major success for us. And have you had a challenge? A challenge? Um, 
oh gosh, the biggest challenge seems to be just CPD, time for CPD. I, I don't think I can get past that. It's, it's a, the schools have so many other priorities um, to dedicate the time that I want to give to staff to, tr to train up on. Um, and we've tried so many different things where we've, we've, we've created short video guys, we've housed them on a, hosted them on a, on a, um, on a, st a streaming platform. We've created posters where it's just a click of a link and help. And that's great as a supportive tool afterwards, but there's nothing like face-to-face -face, uh, uh, CPD, um, but you just, you just can't get the time to do it as, as much time as you want. So that's one of the big, that's the biggest challenge, I think. And we all know that's that's got a massive benefit to future, but it is finding that time at the it's moment. Is, yeah. And same question, you, Paul. Uh, I'm I'm also going to be a rebel. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to do uh, two. I'm going to do one is an individual challenge, which turned into a success, and then a whole school challenge, which turned into a success. So, the individual challenge was um, my first ever um, class when I started teaching. Um, there was a boy in that class, and. Um, he was labelled as being naughty, which is never fair to label a child. It took me two weeks to realise that I, he actually wasn't naughty. He couldn't access the learning as we've been talking about. He was very dyslexic. And the second he came, he was, he was verbally, he was fantastic. He could talk, you know, he, he was a year one child. He could share ideas. He was creative. Second he came to anything that way he had to write anything down or read anything, that's when he became disruptive. So we introduced the technology. Um, worked out how he could have things read to him, how he could uh, change the colour of things, and how he could use his voice to type. Instantly changed that little boy. Um, in about six weeks, he was un unrecognisable. So that was a challenge that turned into a, sex, turned into a success individually. Uh, a challenge that I had when I was implementing one-to-one -one iPads, I, I joined a new school, and um, staff just wouldn't engage in it. They, they, we, we had pockets of excellence as you do everywhere you have some staff who get on board with it and see the potential and some staff who um either didn't feel confident or just thought there was other ways to do things um how we turned that into a success is it's kind of what 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 we've already said um for two years i kind of bumbled through it i was very um i was very confident and i was very good at using the technology so i just assumed everybody would see that that that's what you can do and, and get on board with it it wasn't until I stopped and I, I came back to the vision and I, I realised that we didn't have a vision. Nobody knew why, why we were using this. And one of the key things that I hadn't done as well is I hadn't put a plan in place. I'd had this end goal in my head that this is what it's going to look like in every class. But I hadn't told everybody why it should look like that. And then, so we changed that. We worked on a vision. We articulated our why. We got the staff together. We got the staff involved in what, what, um, what, what they thought should be the why as well kind of pulled it all together and then I created a plan and what I had never done in the two years is I never reflected and I never put in key milestones to see what what we were working on so we, we scaled it right back and and what we did was first half term we were going to have a goal in place it might have been that everybody's going to teach through keynote and with your students you're going to introduce how to type with your voice for example at the end of that half term we would speak to pupils we'd speak to staff we get feedback, and then we would see if that had the impact that we wanted. We move on to the next thing, and I, I guess turning a challenge like a whole school challenge like that again, it goes back to what we said, and it ties into the ALI. It's change management, but it's making sure that one of the biz one of the biggest successes you can have is time to reflect. 
as you've said, we move so quickly in education and we've always got other things to do and we don't provide enough time to work with staff and have that time to, to chat and work, work kind of one-to-one -one with training, but actually having a chance to reflect and work out what's worked well and take it one step at a time. That, that's that's the biggest success to making something work for me. And I think what, what you said is reflecting back and taking it back to your why. Yeah. Why and your purpose is, is really important. Um, if we can just finish on one more, one more question. Um, what advice would you give to somebody thinking about doing this one-to-one -one strategy? Richard again. Well, going one-to-one. It's -one. <laughs> right. key. I mentioned before, not, you know, people sometimes query whether they, they need to invest fully into one-to-one -one. so i think that you know that's that's key if you ever were having those doubts and thinking that you you know just getting a trolley of ipads and that that won't work i've, I've seen that for stand but once you've once you've decided to go to one-to-one -one, i think it's having a you know a, a clear vision clear strategy clear plan um thinking keep thinking about like you're saying about reviewing it but keep thinking about um how are you going to kind of keep that momentum and conversation going all the time what I find is that um, it's okay to, and I've just mentioned how powerful it is to have face-to-face -face CPD, but it's just not enough. You should be doing things, checking in daily, weekly around. It might be like, um, just if you're having a debrief or a brief at the beginning of the day, you know, just someone share a good example of what you've been using, how you've been using technology, keeping that conversation, that momentum going. So it's okay having a clear strategy, and you know, uh, but just keeping that uh, enthusiasm um, and reward of what's, what success stories are. Um, and then also, um, with something that's been really, really powerful with that sites that we've led on, which is we do a speed date session where um, all the staff come along and we don't ask them to stand up and show that uh, that impact they've had, but just show one person, and then we put a little timer on and then show another person, and it just takes that fear away from st some from staff and everybody takes so, so much more away from those kind of workshops than when we do a, a, a staff kind of uh, focused training session. So that yeah, maybe that's a tip. For anybody who's kind of looking at one to one, really sharing, sharing over, but go go with one to one, yeah. uh, in the first place. And what about you, Paul? Uh, I love that ownership bit. You know, you have to give staff, you have to give the staff the ownership of it, so they can, so they get proud of what they're doing as well. For me, one to one is make it sustainable. When I when I talked about the mistakes that I, that I made when I ran one to one, around about two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen, is things like we bought our iPads outright. When we got to the end of the shelf life, we didn't really have a, a plan in place to refresh equipment. We hadn't really made it made it sustainable. So in, in that respect, think about long-term. Think about um, this isn't just going to be we're going to buy a lot of equipment and put it in. There needs to be a clear plan, plan in place about how we're going to support staff, how we're going to support students and, and the key milestones as we talked about. But also you need to think about how we're going to sustain this and how, how this is going to make a lasting impression long after some of the students have gone and it's still it, it things change rapidly as we know in the technology world so we need to be able to cope with what's coming next and and those um those those changes that are on the horizon and i think as you're saying those changes in the the change management where we talked about the ali gives you a chance to plan that and think about all of those different eventualities and different problems that you might actually face i think thinking about that keeping your why going down that line and making sure that everybody's involved i think is, is some brilliant things and can i just thank you both for for your honesty and, and openness of um talking to us today about so something that really affects everyone and, and when we're talking about allowing technology to allow people to do what they love is 
it really warms my heart. I don't know about anyone else's. So thank you very much for that. Um, 